Frenzy. It's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, July 3rd, 2023. Hope you're enjoying your holiday weekend. If you're working like we're working here, then you're working. So why wouldn't we do a show? So much going on, especially down here in Miami. It is the absolute talk of Miami. Lillard coming to Miami, spent a week talking about it on the Levitard show. And now here we are. He actually demanded a trade and people are trying to figure out, will he come, will he not come? We're going to get to Lillard. But first, I want to mention frenzy and why we chose that as nothing personal word of the day. It is the most bizarre thing that you see in sports. Free agency starts and you make it purposefully an exciting holiday. Everything happens right then and there. A flurry of signings and insider reports. And you're doing that because you're winning the day. You're winning the even 48 hours or 72 hours. People are talking about the NBA. The finals are done. They're in the offseason. And all I thought about this weekend, starting Friday at 6 p.m., is I could not believe, and this is not an owner thing or a player thing, but the players who are getting the money they're getting, the numbers just blew my mind. We're going to get to Dylan Brooks, who's the number one example for me. Screw it. I'm getting to it now. $80 million. That's what you're going to do if you're the Houston Rockets. You're going to bring in Fred Van Vliet, Fleet, Vliet. Give him 40 a year. Give Dylan 20 a year and say, hey, we're good. Let's get back to the playoffs. It's not that Dylan Brooks is a bad player, but 80 for four? Here's why this all happens and why it used to be the exception when you'd have what we would call the CONCAC contract. The CONCAC contract is a player from yesteryear, a guy named John CONCAC, and he got a tremendous amount of money and everyone said, that's it, this is crazy. It was like me with Ichiro's contract with Seattle once upon a time. Full Michael Stipe, end of the world. But when you've got a salary floor, you've got to spend the money somewhere. And there's only so many players you have on your team. Certain players, I could argue, are superstars and absolutely worth the money. Otani is an example. Other players, they're just filler. Overpaid filler. Since when is Halliburton or Bain a $200 million player? The max rookie extension. It occurs to me that we always say MLB's union is the strongest. I don't know. I think the NBA union is pretty much there. The amount of money guaranteed. Oh, Coke, I forgot to even mention this to you. I may have holiday fog. Let's just take one of the players. Take take Bain with his guarantee. How many NFL players have a $200 million guarantee? We have Deshaun Watson. The outlier got 230. What was Mahomes' actual guarantee? I think it may have been below 200. There may be one player, two players. In the NBA, it's a Tuesday. While you're looking for that, Coco, we're going to talk about Damon Lillard. Here's the deal. I've had it with players demanding trades. You signed a $290 million contract. 
You don't have the right to walk in my office. I do not want you walking into my office to say, I want to win. What do you think I want to do? Be mediocre? Now save your jokes for later. All the mediocre years I had, I wasn't trying to be mediocre. You're trying to win no matter what your payroll is. Hey, we can be the Rays. We can be the Diamondbacks of this year. This could be our year. A few things fall our way. Of course, we're trying to win. So Dame Lillard, after all the back and forth and the meetings with his GM, Joe Cronin, remember last week, Joe Cronin and Dame Lillard met and they left the meeting. It's not that there was white smoke or anything, but they left the meeting and there was this feeling that Dame understands that we want to win and we want to win with him. And it was a very productive meeting, blah, blah, blah. No sooner than 48 hours later, Dame Lillard said, hello, Joe. Trade me. I'm picturing Steve Martin and Rick Moranis and Ellen Green. Trade me. You know what I would do to Lillard? I wouldn't trade him anywhere. Now, you could trade him to any team you want because he doesn't have a no trade clause. So all of those who think that he can get himself to Miami are sorely mistaken. And Cronin made it clear that we are going to win and we're going to do what's in the best interest of the team as we pursue the goal of winning. Good for him. There is no particular reason you have to send Lillard to Miami. If you get a better trade package from anyone else, move him there or don't move him at all. If you are a team other than Miami... I am not trading for Lillard unless I tamper with him and speak to him and make sure that he's going to be not a grumpafus. Because in theory, you could trade him to the Magic if the Magic had the assets to give back to Portland, which would help them win now, which seems hard to imagine. It could be Bancaro, but that's not going to happen. And so the reason I'd want to speak to Lillard is I just want to know. I want to know the man. Are you going to come here and compete? Miami already knows. Portland already knows, because if Portland doesn't move him, they're not worried that Lillard is going to not play. And if so, fine, don't pay him the $50 million you owe him. But he'll play for Portland, and he'll work and try to win. I just think that as long as we continue to give in to players making requests like this, it's an NBA that we don't want. No one is requesting a trade to Detroit or, frankly, to Portland. You've gotten a certain number of teams that players want to go to. And when players get a chance to go to those teams, that changes the balance of power or it maintains the balance of power, actually. That's not good for the game. So I have a pretty simple solution to the Dame Lillard situation. And that is have fun in the Pacific Northwest. The Warriors tip their hand. Steve Kerr, bless his soul. We are not a championship team without Draymond Green. Hey, Draymond, can we negotiate a contract? They brought Draymond Green back. Our wait to see is official. One of Green and Poole are not there. It's Poole gone. Green re-signed. They gave him the $100 million he wanted. He floated it out there as though it was some magical number, and he hit it. Draymond Green is not a $25 million player. Certainly won't be that for four years. 
Now, compared to other guys who make 50, maybe you can say he is. But no, what the Warriors are doing by bringing Draymond Green back is they sat down and they said, we're not ready to move on from the championship core. And the core is Clay. The core is Steph. The core is Draymond. The problem is, in baseball, you can hide a member of the core who's no longer productive if you so desire. It's really hard to do in basketball when there's limited roster spots and a salary cap. So when you have Draymond Green taking up that amount, you can't have him turn into a Haslam. That's not what he's going to do. He's either going to be a productive player or he's going to be a distraction that'll bring your team right down into the crapper. There was no reason to give him a fourth year. Three at 75 would have been just fine, but they ended up going four for 100. Running it back for a team, even when you win a title, I'm not so sure running it back is the answer, but they are certainly making a bet that Draymond is going to be helpful. But that was not the biggest bet of the weekend. The biggest bet of the weekend was our friend Mark Cuban. I'm not sure Mark Cuban will ever take over for Danny Boy or Jerry Jones with content providing information and quotes, but he's good. They made that trade for Kyrie Irving at the deadline last year, brought him in to work with Luca, and it did not work at all. And it's not as though he had to come in, you learn a system. That's what they say in the NBA. It's absolute poppycock. Oh, they've not played together. They need to get reps. They need to get to know where each other's going to be. Are you going to be on the wing? Are you going to create? Where? No. It's not right. Does it take a game or two to figure out which side of the stadium to go to when you walk into the arena? Does it take a game or two to learn the plays that are called by coaches? Wait a minute. There are no more plays called by coaches. Very, very rarely happens. So Mark Cuban trades a huge amount of assets to get Kyrie Irving. There was no way he was going to acknowledge it didn't work. It takes courage to acknowledge when you've made a mistake. It takes courage to reverse course and realize that every step you take further away from your destination is an extra step you have to take back toward your destination. It's not circular where you can get off path to a championship and find your way back when you are stuck with a player like Kyrie Irving. And instead of dipping their toe in the Kyrie Irving free agent pool, they did the opposite. They went all in. They gave him four years, $126 million. Luca and Kyrie for four years. I've got an extra wait to see here, Coca. Make it official. Kyrie Irving will not play four years in Dallas. Four years of failure and Cuban's just going to sit there and watch it happen. NGTH not going to happen. We'll look back on this weekend and we'll see a lot of players where the contracts will not be seen to their end, but Kyrie is top of the list. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. I'll always revisit it when I get it wrong. I'm happy to get it wrong but an official wait to see. Coke is telling me it's three years, 126. Are you sure? Why did I have four? Is it four with a player option? 
I can't hear you, Coca. I thought it was three plus a player option for four. It's two plus a player option? No. Three? That's $42 million a year for Kyrie Irving? All right, redo the segment. Here we go. Four, six, nine. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, we revisit it. If it doesn't, we revisit it. Kyrie Irving signed a three-year deal. It's two years plus a player option with the Dallas Mavericks, $126 million. There is no way that he lasts the three years because it will be difficult for Mark Cuban to ignore the reality that the Mavericks, instead of gaining ground in the West, are staying the same, if not losing ground. The combination of Kyrie Irving with anybody doesn't work. Maybe LeBron, it worked back in the day, but these days it's done. So official wait to see Kyrie Irving will not be a Maverick for three years. I'm not even sure Westbrook will be a Clipper for two years. I love that Russell Westbrook did not go full Latrell Sprewell when the Clippers offered him not even $8 million for two years. Latrell Sprewell is a guy who played for the Knicks. He's the one who choked P.J. Carlissimo is coach. You may not remember who that is. But the Knicks offered him a deal or some team offered him a deal one year. Maybe it was the Bucs, some team. And it, he was so offended by the millions of dollars. And his quote was something like, I got to feed my family. I can't play for that amount of money. And of course, he never played in the NBA again. But he is now an alum who comes to the Garden from time to time. Congrats on that. I'm wondering whether or not Russell Westbrook shares that. And now we know he doesn't. He will get out of bed and go practice and go play for four million bucks a year. And Russell Westbrook, as of now, is finally being paid what Russell Westbrook deserves to get paid. Oh, he's the top 75. Greatest triple-double machine since Oscar Robertson. Russell Westbrook's a $4 million player. Do you know how embarrassing it is for him to sign an $8 million not even contract? But good for him. It's better than a poke in the eye. The way you got all your information this week, this weekend on Twitter, if you did not, what's the deal with the Elon Musk limiting the tweets that you can see? What is the purpose of that? I think he reversed course or he kept raising the level, trying to get people to be blue checked. I, I'm fine with the blue check. I'm happy to pay for the blue check. At first, I wasn't, then realized, wait a minute, it makes total sense. It's good for what we're doing here at Nothing Personal to the extent it helps more people see tweets or to get the show. I'm in. But limiting how people can access your platform, that seems a little crazy. And on the platform, that's where people like Woj and Shams and the insiders for the NBA. It was their moment this weekend after with free agency. Did you notice, go on Twitter, this is amazing. Not being talked about, I'm not sure why. I don't recall this ever happening. All these player signings are being announced. And instead of from a source or from the team, it's now coming from the agents themselves with their names associated to it, the announcement. Don't get me wrong. I like it. I'm happy for there not to be sources. If you have information you want to give, give it, give your name. But do you know why the agents are doing this? Not in the name of honesty and transparency. They're doing it in the name of poaching. 
hey, look at me. I got this deal done. I'm announcing this deal. So any opportunity I have to get more players, because look what I can do. It's like the ultimate look at me, Louie. As a fan, do you really care when the announcement comes? I mean, there are a small number of people who like to know who the agents are of the players. But the agents are getting their cut regardless of the PR, regardless of whether they're in the tweet, regardless of whether their name is associated with it. And it's not like we're learning for the first time. Oh, my God, these insiders are getting information from agents. (gasps) It can't be true. All these guys getting paid millions of dollars with millions of followers. All of this inside information. Where the hell do you think they're getting it? They have sources within teams, front offices, and of course they have agents. But the agents are using them half the time to give information that is not true to create markets. It's like uh, it happened with Lillard this weekend. Rumors the San Antonio Spurs could be an interesting destination for Lillard. That actually should have come from Portland. If I'm Portland, I want to make Miami understand that they're not just going to get him for dire straits. They're going to get him if they pay up. All right, that's enough. All-star teams were announced in baseball. It's like a home game. It's really the Rangers against the Braves. If you're interested in that interleague matchup, a potential World Series matchup, Texas Rangers against the Atlanta Braves, then watch the All-Star game on Tuesday. The Braves, the rest of the roster was announced. The Braves have eight players. Eight players. When we had four, we had a charter a plane to get to San Diego. My guess is Atlanta chartered a plane for those guys. They didn't put them on Delta, especially with all the flight delays. I'm sure they got them all a plane, send them to Seattle. Anytime an all-star team is named, I wanted to talk about contractual provisions. There are bonuses and contracts about all-star election and all-star selection. The rules have changed over time where now the commissioner's office gets to name some all-stars, the players get to name some all-stars, the fans get to name from all-stars. I have never seen proof that the all-star starters are really based on fan votes. I've never seen the Ernst & Young audit, the PricewaterhouseCoopers audit. I just take everyone's word for it when they say, and this is not me saying that, oh, the election was stolen. I'm not that guy, not even close to that guy. But I will say that we tried stuffing the ballots from time to time. Didn't quite work sometimes, worked other times, hard to ever know. So the starters get announced, and we covered that last week, and that's the fans. Then you bring in the reserves. There's a rule in baseball that every team has to have an all-star. Yes, Oakland had to have one, deserving. Kansas City had to have one. They put in Salvador Perez, their catcher. Do you remember when Perez was signed, Coca? The Royals had won a World Series. Then a bunch of their guys had left. They were sort of on the downswing, but they extended and signed Perez to this huge deal. They regret it right now. That said, he was named an all-star. So all these teams have to be named And the commissioner has to make sure that every team has a representative. And the reason you want every team to have a representative in the all-star game is because of the lineup introductions. 
the thought from the networks and the thought from Major League Baseball is that people will tune into the introductions and when they introduce all the players on the line and they go player by player, when you see a player from your team, you're feeling happy. You're going to tune in. Will my player play? There is, in the local nature of baseball, the thought that All-Star Game will have the best ratings if enough markets have representation, which is why you get all the players in the game, in theory. When the Marlins hosted the All-Star Game in 17, we really wanted multiple Marlins in the game, in the home run derby. We got Stanton, we got Bohr to do the home run derby at home. We had Ozuna as the starter, I believe, that year in 17. The Seattle Mariners are hosting, and they have one All-Star, Luis Castillo. I have no idea who thought Luis Castillo was going to be good. Who would ever trade that guy three times? You got to be crazy, a performing pitcher like that. Yes, 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 I know I did. So my takeaway from the All-Star teams being announced is that we are entering an era, and I like it. We talked about it when the starters were voted in. It's the first time that there's been a rookie starter on both the American League and the National League team. Never happened. There's a bunch of first-time All-Stars. The league loves when there's first-time All-Stars. I would have put in Ellie De La Cruz. I would have put in Wander Franco. I want to promote young players. I want to try, try as I may, to get the next generation of popular players, keep the pipeline flooded with players. That's the goal, obviously. But they changed the rules where you pay a bonus if you're elected, you pay a bonus if you're selected. That's okay to be in the contract. And I put that in every contract. But then when they changed the all-star rules, I got annoyed. And here's what they changed. If you are a pitcher who pitches on Sunday before the Tuesday all-star game and you're an all-star, then you get replaced on the team. It used to be you just wouldn't be available to pitch and they'd figure it out. Now you actually get replaced. When the fans vote in an injured player, that player gets replaced, Aaron Judge. When a reserve is named who's injured, why would you name Alvarez to the all-star team? Because you want his baseball card to say three-time all-star, eight-time all-star. I get that. But the rule then states that that player gets replaced. So right now, it used to be a regular roster. Then they decided after the Bud Selig tie that they would increase the number of players on the original roster. And then they changed it so even more players are going to make the all-star team. What you're going to start seeing now, ignore all the snub lists. Wander Franco will be an all-star. Just watch. If they're smart, they'll figure out a way to get De La Cruz to Seattle. They'll find a way to get another Mariner on the team. You will find every player has an opportunity to be an all-star because all these players will be unavailable, but there's one guy who you will not see in Seattle. The erstwhile face of baseball who was suspended for steroids, whether he did them or not, he took the suspension, which means by definition he did. Up to you if you don't think he did and he got caught or he did something that he didn't know or he had diarrhea, some sort of stomachache, whatever excuse you want to use. The players who vote for All-Stars did not want Fernando Tatis in the All-Star game. 
Think about that for one second. He was the guy who was the face of baseball, unbelievably popular. Whether he was beloved as a teammate, I leave it for you to figure out. No, I don't. Some people love him, some people don't in the clubhouse. Very normal. I don't hold that against him at all. But when the current players are saying, we do not want to reward a steroid guy by putting him in the All-Star game, that's a big statement. Because Fernando Tatis is not the only player for Major League Baseball doing performance-enhancing drugs right now. There's a lot of stones being thrown by people who live in glass houses. It's not the end of the world. People are always ahead of the tests, always one step ahead. But I'm interested in that players are now choosing to agree with the writers who don't want Bonds or Clemens or A-Rod in the Hall of Fame. And they're now coming down on a player. Query, would they come down on a popular player internally inside the clubhouse as much as they all just came down on Tatis? We're going to find out as the years pass. But Rob Manford has the sole right and responsibility to name replacements. With his tenuous relationship with the players' union and the players themselves, he will not go against the players' wishes as much as he thinks that marketing Tatis and rehabilitating Tatis's image may be good. He will not name Tatis to the All-Star game. Clayton Kershaw will be there. Tenth time. He may get the start. I don't think he should, but he may. But the all-star that you should all be focusing on, which will be the subject of the second greatest story right now next to the bankruptcy of the regional sports networks, is Shohei Otani. You're going to hear about Shohei Otani for the next, when's the all-star game? A week from tomorrow? You're going to hear about it for eight days. Eight straight days. Did you know that you're voted in or put in by the commissioner and the players as either an offensive player or a pitcher? Shohei, when he was voted to start as the DH, that does not mean that he was one of the pitchers named to the staff. Except when the reserves were announced, Shohei Otani was named as one of the pitchers. How amazing is that? Three years in a row, he has been named an all-star hitter and an all-star pitcher. I don't exactly know the adjectives that we can use for Shohei Otani. I don't think the adjectives exist. What he has accomplished as a player prior to free agency, it's historic. What he's doing in his platform year is better than what Aaron Judge is doing. Can you imagine a scenario whereby Shohei Otani actually breaks Aaron Judge's 62 home run American League record? while having a three ERA and striking out 200 people? No, there's no way, Coca. I mean, if so, he'd have to make $70 million next year. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I finished the idol last night, actually very early this morning, and I have to talk about it. I'm going to really help you out. And then we're going to talk about trade deadline season has started and we had our first relatively big trade in baseball. And we're also going to get to what the Supreme Court did this weekend. We'll be right back. 
Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's July 3rd. We're live right now on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Thank God Danny's here. Coca's here. Otherwise, it's pretty, pretty quiet. But of course we were going to just do a show. There's too much going on. I watch plenty of content every day, movie or TV series. Last night was the end of The Idol. I didn't get to it last night, but I got to it very early this morning. I watched the fifth and final episode the reason I know, and you may have heard this on Levitard or maybe not, I can't remember. It was supposed to be six episodes and it was supposed to end July 9th. I keep track of current shows that I'm watching. You all have sent me great apps that I can now use to keep track, but I'm still going old school. It was supposed to be The Idol, Sundays through July 9th. Crowded Room, Thursdays through July 28th. Platonic, Wednesdays through July 12th. Silo, Fridays through June 30th. Those are current shows. So when I saw the Idol finale on July 2nd, I thought that was a mistake. Not a mistake. They're bending over backwards to tell you it was all planned. They had some changes during production. It was going to be a five-episode arc. They're full of it. It was a five-episode arc because the show stinks. There will be no season two. Do not watch the Idol. The weekend is a phenomenally talented, successful performing artist. One of the best, maybe top five, maybe of all time, but certainly currently working. We love his music. I get why he wants to flex his muscles and produce and act and claiming that he's actually just being a character in the idol and that he's not as bad as you think. Here's the bottom line about the idol. Johnny Depp had a daughter in 1999 named Lily Rose his wife, Vanessa, his wife at the time. She is now a full actress, happy to do sex scenes, which were not sexy, happy to do nudity, which was nude, happy to be taken advantage of and used in a way because who else would have taken that part? It's not like the Fifty Shades of Grey part. We're not talking Melanie and Don's daughter, Dakota. This was just crap. The problem is once I start, I don't stop. So I gave almost five hours of my life, five hours to this. I won't get him back, but you will. Don't watch it. The Idol. Thank God it's done. All right, Coca, play me some music, please. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. 
So you want to talk to Samson. This is the perfect day while you may have a vacation day, or if not, you have a vacation day tomorrow to watch Half-Baked, to get 69 one hundredths baked and see if there's a character named Samson. And there is. If you have a question, get to me at Twitter, David P. Samson, wherever you get to me. And I'm going to try to get to it. David, did the Rangers make a smart trade by acquiring Chapman? Did the Royals make a mistake by not waiting until closer to the deadline before trading him? Thank you. No, no, thank you. I want to talk about this trade very briefly, but more importantly is the concept of the trade. Araldis Chapman is the erstwhile closer for the Cubs in 16. Remember, he closed the World Series, closed for the Yankees. He then, he was throwing 100 before it was cool to throw 100, and now everybody throws 100, so it's less cool, but he doesn't throw 100, but he came back from all sorts of issues, and now he had a very good season for a crappy team, and you read where the Kansas City Royals signed Chapman to trade Chapman. I've done that too. When you've got free agents who you can sign on one-year deals, the Marlins did it with Johnny Cueto this year, thinking if they're not competing and Cueto has a good year, you can move them, save the money, and get back prospects. Of course, you don't count on Cueto stinking, not being in the rotation, and you basically eat 8% of your payroll for nothing. I've done that too. It's a horrible feeling. That said, when it works, it's nothing short of a brilliant plan. The Royals went into this season. They didn't need Chapman by any stretch because they sat in their meetings off season and they recognized very well that they were not, even if everything fell the way they would want it to fall, they were not going to be competing for a playoff spot. They knew it. They're not stupid there. When you have an opportunity to get from your owner the ability to increase the payroll or to sign these free agents to one-year deals, you do it. And then the question becomes, when do you cut bait? When do you move the player? The worst thing that can happen is your player gets traded and you're stuck with him on the majorly disabled list injured list, paying him, and you get nothing back. And at the end of the year, there's no qualifying offer. There's no nothing. You just let him go and move on. The second worst thing that can happen is that you trade him and the prospects you get back end up amounting to nothing. And then you spent the money on the player, even if you had him for only half the year, and you did not fill your farm system the way you did or get a performing major leaguer at some point. Down the list is timing. Inside Major League Baseball front offices, timing is not discussed except as it relates to money. The sooner you trade a player, the fewer dollars you have to pay that player. So in theory, by Texas trading for Chapman, they are taking on his salary for longer, therefore paying him more. I love this move if you are the acquirer where you are trying to get the player, you still have a month before the trade deadline. If the Rangers either fall completely apart, which they're not going to do, or Chapman doesn't fit in the clubhouse, or he's not performing, you can Dixie him before the deadline. You will not replace the two farm 
hands that you gave to the Royals. And I'm not saying that Cole Reagan's or Ronnie Cabrera are anything other than potentially possible average, but you just don't know. The math is when you acquire a player early, you know you will not replace the players you traded away in full, but you will do it partially. So if the Rangers end up changing their mind on Chapman, they will try to send him to another contender, assuming he doesn't crap the bed in this month-long stint with the Rangers. From the Royals' standpoint, the reason you don't focus on timing is you make a list of possible teams who will take your free agents to be. When you know you're selling, the Royals know they're selling, the A's know they're selling, the Tigers should know they're selling, although in that division, who knows? The Nationals should know they're selling. You make a list of all potential targets. You speak to the teams. And then you figure out, is there a big enough difference between the prospect package being offered by team A versus team B? And how do you value that difference given what waiting will cost you in terms of both actual dollars and the risk of either injury or lack of performance? I was always much more interested, always much more interested in making sure that we got the player gone. Or when we were buying, I was interested in getting the player as quickly as possible so we could change courses if we absolutely had to. So I believe the Rangers made a smart trade by getting Chapman. And I don't believe the Royals made a mistake by not waiting until closer to the deadline. I believe more teams should do this, but there's something about a deadline. It's very bizarre to me. We do all these live specials on deadline day. We'll do a show live at 6 p.m. on August 1st, I'm sure. Because teams are right up against it. But if you're good enough to know what you want, go get it. Nothing. Personal pick of the day. We had the Padres over the Reds. Do you know the Padres and the Mets are tied for crap? I think they're both 38 and 46. They're both eight games out of the wild card. They did beat the Reds. They lost to the Reds in 11 innings, so we lost Friday's game. All right, let's talk about the Braves-Marlins series. I was on a radio show, and I don't remember where, or maybe it was this show. Did we talk, Coke, on this show that even if the Marlins get swept by the Braves, they still go through Boston and Atlanta and go home three and three? that you'd like to get one out of three to go home four and two. But if you get swept, you're still 500. And if you can play 500 on the road and play 600 to 650 at home, you're going to be a playoff team. And I told you that the Braves were going to beat the Marlins Saturday because it was my opinion, A, that Yuri Perez deserves to be an all-star. That's one opinion. Two, Yuri Perez is a phenomenal rookie pitcher for the Marlins. But three, the Braves are just way better, and they wanted to make sure the Marlins had no kernel of a thought that they were going to compete with the Braves in the NL East or even in the NL. So the Braves just absolutely whooped them. If you're not paying attention to Ronald Acuna, who I had as the preseason MVP pick, I'm going to get that right, I'm pretty sure. I think he's pretty much won the MVP already as long as he plays even 40 of the last 80 games. There has never been a player in the history of MLB, and it is very hard to say never. Now you can make up different numbers and find a way to make someone special. But Acuna has 20 home runs and 35 stolen bases. 
more than 20, more than 35. There's never been another player to do that ever. And it's not about the bigger bases or about the players not being able to disengage the rubber. And I'm worried that the new rules in baseball are going to somehow overshadow Acuna's accomplishments. You're talking about one of the top five players in all of baseball. If I had to have a player on my team to start a team, I'm having Acuna over Trout. Not over Otani, but over Trout. Over Judge. Over Tatis. This guy can do it all. All right, big series coming up. Baltimore and New York. Guess who's pitching tonight for the Yankees? Mr. Perfecto. You're going to hear if you watch any sports shows today and anybody's doing them live, which they may or may not be. You're going to hear the name Johnny Vandermeer. That's the guy's name who gets brought up because he threw back-to-back no-hitters. Domingo Herman had a perfect game his last outing, which is also a no-hitter, quite obviously. So if he throws a no-hitter today, that will make him one of two. As it is, he's one of 24 to throw a perfect game. If he throws a no-hitter today, he'll be one of two pitchers in the history of baseball to throw back-to-back no-hitters. Are you ready? He's not going to do it. The Orioles are only minus 115 over Herman and the Yankees, which is amazing because the Orioles, with their bullpen, they sent Batista and Cano to the All-Star game. Position players, Hayes, I think they have four All-Stars. Brandon Hyde, former Marlins coach, interim manager, has done an amazing job. He stuck it out in Baltimore. And despite what's going on in the ownership ranks and the insanity of the family members suing each other. The Orioles are a really good team full of players you've never heard of, but you should pay attention. They're a better team than the Yankees. How horrible is that to say if you're the Yankees? Baltimore over Herman is tonight's pick of the day. All right, the Supreme Court had two decisions that I want to touch on that are, were interesting and should be interesting to you. And I want to explain them in a way that it's may not possibly be explained. I'm going to start with the Supreme Court saying that a business owner does not have to do business with a same-sex married couple. This is a woman who is a website designer, and she preemptively said in Colorado, I have no interest in doing and setting up a website for a same-sex marriage. The question is, Is that unconstitutional? The Supreme Court ruled. And what you're going to read is these are Trump's people and it's so conservative and this is an outrage. And you know where I stand on these issues. If you don't, I'll give you a hint. Tolerance. However, there is an interesting right that we all have. And that is a right. We do not have to say things that we don't believe. We don't have to do things that we don't believe in. I may not agree in this, all these pride nights, all these faith-based. When you are an employee and you are asked to do something and you don't do it, that employer should have the right to fire you. If you do not want to wear a pride jersey, you should be suspended whether you're covered by a union or not, no matter what your belief is. When you are a business owner, you have the right to decide who you want to do business with. As long as you are not violating the Constitution or the law. The majority in the Supreme Court 
ruled that business owners have the right. They have the right. It's not discrimination. It is the right of free speech to say, I don't believe in X, therefore I'm not going to do business with Y. Do I think it's a setback for the LGBTQ plus community? Anytime there's discrimination, I do. But that's discrimination. I do not believe that anybody, anybody should be discriminated against. No matter what, color, sex, doesn't matter. And there are laws that say you can't. This was not a law about discrimination. This was not a case about discrimination. This was a case about free speech. That's what the justices found. There are certain public businesses that are not allowed to discriminate based on anything. You cannot be stopped from going into a grocery store because you're gay. You can't be stopped from going into a grocery store because you're white or black or Jewish or Catholic but I can't be forced to do business in a non-public business where it's a client that I'm taking on and it's someone who is asking to be a client. There is no right that you have to be my client and I'm not forced to have you as a client. It sounds harsh. It sounds unfair. It sounds terrible. There are people who would base having a client on the fact that it's against their beliefs so they don't want to take the money. I hope their business is that good. If I were an investor in this web designer company, I got big news for you. I would not allow this person's beliefs to get in the way in any way. But this woman owned the business. You're hearing a lot of people saying, Sotomayor, who I respect unbelievably as a justice, believes that what you're doing, basically, you are marking gays and lesbians for second class status. My argument is that's true, but not because of this case. All the other reasons that exist where people in the LGBTQ plus community have been marginalized, we marginalize people based on color, on money, on economic, socioeconomic status. There are plenty of reasons that people are marginalized, none of which are valid, all based on people's lack of tolerance. But the vessel being used right now in the court was simply the wrong vessel. Believe me, if discrimination happens and you can't hang your hat on free speech and you are discriminating against someone solely because you discriminate against them, even the conservative court will not be able to find a way to go for that. Many people just say it's just business. Once in a while, people say, it's nothing personal.